everyone. Thanks for checking out the Citizens Podcast. We are the high school student ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Sundays at 11 a.m. in the student wing. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you posted it on your Instagram story and tag at NBC Citizens. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy. It's fruit of the Spirit. I'm so excited because obviously we took a break on this series, but we'll be talking about us Christians, you and I, if you're a Christian, there is this tension within, within you. There's a battle between the desires of your flesh, those things that you want to do that are not glorifying to God, those things that you deliberately know that they're sin, that you genuinely know that they're sin, those things that you know that they are in contradiction with what God tells you to do, those are the desires of the flesh. And we can go on details of lying, you know, sexual impurity, uh, you know, stealing, you know, gossiping, uh, doing this, you know, those, those in, in that spectrum. There's a lot of things that we go into detail. And then there is the other context, which is the spirit, led by the spirit, being spirit-led, is what most people will say. And it is the idea that you let the Holy Spirit influence your life and direct your step in the ways that you should do. When you're led by the Spirit, you will produce the fruit of the Spirit. And we talk about how the fruit of the Spirit is not individual ones, but it's one big fruits that have different aspects, that, they have, that have different ways that they're broken down. And so today we're looking at the fruit of the Spirit of kindness. Now, before we get into kindness, I want to ask, how many of you guys are learning how to drive right now? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, Trent, you, you, you're a lost case. You still will not, you'll never know how to drive. All right, so, so some of you, all right. So this is my experience of learning how to drive. So uh, in the Dominican Republic, you can start driving by the time you're 16, but you need, which I think is the same here. Uh, but you need your parents to be with you at all times. You cannot drive by yourself till you're 18, 17, or something like that. But when I was learning how to drive, I was very scared, like most of you have been when it comes to driving, especially because of how crazy the driving is in the DR. It is not as civilized as it is in America. If you think America is not civilized on their driving, you, you will be in shock for, for when you go to overseas. Because it is crazy. It is wild. You have the motorcycles coming at, at, on your blind spot. I mean, it's chaotic. It is crazy. And you don't know if you're going to hit a person, a bike, a car, a dog, a cat. You, you're going to hit somebody, but you just don't know when or who, right? And that's how it is driving in a third world country. So, so learning to how to drive, it was scary. And my dad sat me down, and he probably said to me what your parents have said to you, where he's like, Eric, this car is a weapon. You can either kill somebody or you can hurt somebody. So you treat it with care. Does any of your dad tell you that? Yeah. I said, all right. Uh, so my dad told me that, and I, did, and I believe in it. And I was so scared. But this is how it, it, it played out. The very first time that we went out driving, my dad, I'm sitting on the driver's seat, and my, my dad is on the co-pilot seat, and typically you wear your silver, but for this instance, just so that he can help me, you know, he, he took the silver off, and he was sitting, like, on the side, just in case he had to, like, get on, get, have a quick access to the wheel. Just because in the DR as well, you don't have, like, a training course where you can drive. You drive on the road, you, you, or, or you learn on the road. You figure it out in the wild kind of a thing. So we're driving, and I kid you not, I see from the distance, I'm going probably 20 miles, 30 miles an hour, and I see a bunch of pigeons on the side of the road. And I'm driving, I'm getting close to them, and I'm going at this point about 35, 40 miles an hour. And I see the pigeons, and they're not moving. And I get closer, they're not moving. 
They're not getting closer. And then I'm moving. And I'm getting set. I'm like, I'm going to have my first road kid. And I'm not even ready. This is my, my first day learning how to drive. And I'm going to exterminate all of these pigeons. So we get closer and closer to the point that I get so scared that I just push the brake. And my dad goes flying, like almost hit his head on the windshield. And it was like the scariest thing. I mean, I was shaking. And that was it. And then the most stupid thing, and I'm going to say stupid because it was stupid. All the pigeons just flew away. Like, I, they, I could have known, done anything, and they would have still, I mean, I could have kept driving, and they would have eventually flown away. But I just thought that they were not going to fly away, that I was going to run them over. Now, as a learning experience, when I see birds on the floor or on the ground, you know what I do? I floor it. It's a challenge now. I want to make, you know, let's get it. Uh, but this was my experience of learning how to drive. Don't go around saying, Pastor, I killed a bear. I haven't killed any bird yet, all right? But, you know, maybe one day. Uh, but this, has, this was my experience on learning how to drive, on learning how to drive. And here's the thing. When you're learning how to drive, you have to see who's, you have to, first, first of all, you have to be observant of who's teaching you, right? I'm sure your dad did it to you. My dad did it to me. If you have learned or you are learning how to drive, they, see, they have you sit on the co-pilot seat and they tell you, look what I am doing so that you do it yourself. The reality is that you have to be very good observing, observing what they're doing because like they say, and it's true, a car is a weapon. You can either hurt somebody or you can kill somebody if you're not careful. So you have to be watching what they do so that you don't make any mistakes because a quick mistake could be a fatal mistake, all right? So they tell you that. So here's the thing with kindness. Kindness is something very interesting because we have the example of God, God as our instructor on how kindness should work and what kindness should look like. We have him as the perfect example. But instead of looking at him as a reference of what kindness should look like, we look at each other. We look at your peers. You look at your parents. You look at your kids. You look at, or not your kids, hold up, stop my kids, <laughs> you, look, you look at your friends, you look at the people in your life. And so when you're supposed to look at, what do you call this, horizontal, vertical, right? When you're supposed, I, I skipped Matt. So when you look at your, ver- you're supposed to look at kindness as an example of vertical. Instead, we focus on the hor- horizontal side of things. And because of that, we have this very vague and fake and ugly picture of what kindness should look like. See, that is why many people get in accidents, and I'm using this analogy on the driving, uh, as, you know, with the idea of driving. So many of us get into accidents because we're looking at the wrong person to teach us how to drive this car of kindness. And so that's what we're going to be covering today. If today the idea, if, if, fruit, if one of the fruit of the Spirit, or part of the fruit of the Spirit is kindness, then how us as Christians, as ones that will say we are followers of Jesus, how are we producing that? So before that, we've got to define the kindness so that we, barely, we understand, right? So kindness, the act of being sympathetic or having a helpful nature, someone characterized by sympathy. That is how the Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines kindness. Now, the Bible, if you want to look at it in a biblical sense, this is how it's defined. Gentleness, goodness, uprighteousness, generosity, and graciousness. In a biblical sense, all of these things are encompassed under kindness. If you're kind, it means that you are gentle, that you're good, that you're upright, that you're generous, and that you're gracious. This is what kindness means. And so when we're looking at a definition of kindness, when we're looking at the example of, of kindness, 
our tendency is to base our definition, our tendency on basing what it looks like is by observing the example of those around us. When in reality, we should be looking at the example set by God, which is what we're going to be doing today. The example displayed by God in Romans chapter 11, verse 17. So if you have your Bibles, Romans chapter 11, verse 17. It's going to be on the screen. And so, uh, just so you know what is happening in the context, you have Paul writing to this church in Rome, and, in the, in, 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 and you have to understand, and you'll see this often in the Bible, there are two groups of people that are defined in the Bible. A group of people that would include you and would include me. There are the Jewish, those that are born in Israel or have Israelites or, or have Jewish descendants. You are, that's a group of people, the Jewish and then on the other spectrum, you have the Gentiles. A Gentile is anyone that is not Jewish by inheritance. So you guys are Gentiles unless you're Jews or you have, family, you have Jewish blood running in you. Um, I'm Gentile. I'm born in the Dominican Republic. I'm a Gentile. So there are two groups of people. So when Jesus, the plan of God for the world was to salvation be made first to the Jewish. That was his, his plan because the Jewish were the chosen people. As a result, though, or in, in reality, what happened was that the Jewish denied him. When you see, look in the gospel, you see how Jesus is going around performing miracles and doing other things, and the Jewish didn't want anything to do with him. In fact, they were the ones that were pushing for him to be crucified. So because of that, salvation was then made offered to all the Gentiles, to you and me. In the context of this passage, you see how the Gentiles start bragging about the fact that now that they have been included under this plan of salvation, they have rights to brag about. And so we're going to look into that, what it says. So verse, chapter, 11, verse, or chapter 11, verse 17, it says, But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a while olive shot, were grafted in among the others, and now sharing the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. If you are remember, it is not you who support the root, but the root that supports you. So again, this idea of the Gentiles being prideful that they are not included in this plan of salvation, the apostle Paul is telling them, hey, don't be bragging about that because you didn't do anything to deserve it. It is not you who grant yourself that, is it not? But the branch being Jesus, that is the one that supports you, all right? So verse Verse 19, it says, Then you will say, Branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. And that is true. They were broken off because of their own belief, but you stand fast through faith, so do not become proud, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. So the warning is, if God did not spare his chosen people because of their own belief, do not think that you now that this salvation message that has been being offered to you is now uh, available just because he did it, you, you, it's been available to you does not mean that if you do not believe in it, you will not be spared or you will be spared. Verse 20, verse 22, note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you will be cut out too. So, you have here the example of branches and all of these things, of the olive tree. And before we get lost on all the little details, this is in essence what is, what is happening. This is what, God, what Paul is telling this 
believers in Rome, saying, you who are Gentiles, you who have now been included on this plan of salvation, have no right to brag about anything because it is not your work. It's not something that you did that earned you that, that, that fact. In reality, it was that the Jewish did not accept Jesus as they were supposed to or as they should have accepted Jesus. And because of that, this plan of salvation has been being offered to everyone. What was first to the Jewish and now is offered to everyone, and that is not something to you to brag. But look at verse 22, what it says, and it is huge for us to recognize. When he says, know the kindness and the severity of God. Recognize that God is both kind by providing the Gentiles, people that had nothing to do with God, people that didn't deserve anything, granted this plan of salvation, and also recognize how severe he is in that he is uh, that he judges those who do not believe in him. So, for more inclination or more explanation, Titus tells us this. Titus 3, uh, verse 3 and 5, it says this. For we ourselves were once a foolish, disobedient, led astray, slave to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. This is who we were. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you have believed in the message of the gospel, this is who you were. In theory, this is who you were, past. That meaning that you're not longer falling under these categories. Now, if you're falling under this category, then that's another question to ask that you need to be asking yourself. But in theory, those things are in your past, right? Verse, verse 4, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appear, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of the regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So here is the example of God, of his kindness, and why, when we, why we must look at him as the definition and as someone that is best display kindness to us. Is that you and I, we're told in the Bible that while you and I were sinners, God provided a way to sacrifice his only son to die for you and me. There was nothing good about you. There was nothing good that you could do that will grant you, that will give you the merit, the merit of eternal life. You and I don't deserve anything because we, left to our own, will deliberately do what is evil before God. Without the Holy Spirit, we will, do, we will gratify the desires of the flesh. That is what the fruits that we will be producing. We will be producing what the flesh wants us to produce. His kindness was best displayed in that while you and I were sinner, he sent his son to die on the cross for you, for your mistakes, for my mistakes. And that though you did not deserve it, that although you didn't deserve it, I didn't deserve it, he was willing to give up his own begotten son so that you could experience eternal life with him. That is kindness. When you're looking at the definition of kindness according to the Bible, you have that is gentleness, goodness, of righteousness, generosity, and gracious. And all of those things are best displayed in how God sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you. So when you're looking at a driver, right, back to this idea of driving, if we were more focused on looking at how God deals with you and deals with me, we would be better at producing kindness. We wouldn't be driving a car so carelessly. If the one that was instructing you and instructing me on how to drive this car 
we will do a better job recognizing who he is. So the example of now, as a Christian, we have a role. There's another side to that because look at the little warning that he gives in the very verse 22. He says, Know the kindness and the severity of God. Severity though with those who have fallen, but goodness, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. There is a role that you and I have to do. For those of you that have experienced kindness, you have to continue his kindness. It is a fruit of the Spirit. You have to reciprocate what the, the same kindness that has been given to you. You have to reciprocate it to others. It is the reality of the fruit of the Spirit. You, it's not for yourself to keep. This idea of you being gentle, good, or bright, generous, gracious to others, you are to produce that with other people. And hey, let me be honest with you because I'm not good at this either. I am someone that I have a hard time being kind. And it is true that this is something that you and I should do. We should be expert on this idea of kindness because we have experienced kindness of our own. The best example of kindness is the gospel of Jesus. And because of that, and just on that alone, we should be expert of kindness, but that's not the reality. Because we're looking, at, we're looking horizontal, horizontal, for example, of kindness. We look at how, maybe you look at your boyfriend, your girlfriend, how they deal with you. Maybe you look at your parents, how they deal with you. Maybe you look at your, co or your uh, friends in school, how they deal with you. And you look at them and you see that, that what they're supposed to show you as kindness is far from kindness. And so instead of you reciprocating the kindness that God has given to you, you go on and you reciprocate the kindness that they're giving you. And that is where we get lost in things. We are supposed to live in a way where we're kind to one another. A few verses will hint to that. Ephesians 4, 31, 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Just on that verse alone, imagine what your life your friendships, your families, this world will be like if people were, were focused on being kind. Setting aside slander, setting aside malice, setting aside bitterness, uh, revenge, wrath, putting aside those things and, and genuinely pursuing to produce kindness. Not like the world produces, but like how God has produced it in your life. Proverbs 21, 21. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life. Righteousness and honor. Matthew 25, 34, 36. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom, prepare for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. And I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Job 6, 14, he who withholds kindness from a friend forsakes the fear of the Father. So when you're thinking about kindness and when you're thinking about how to deal with people, he who forsakes those of kindness, he who forsakes how to turn on his phone will forsake the kindness of others. <laughs> Proverbs eleven seventeen: a man who is kind benefits himself, but a cruel man hurts himself. A, more, a lot can be said about this idea of kindness. And as a fruit of the Spirit, it is something that we should definitely be producing. It is something that you have a responsibility to produce. If you are not producing kindness, then you're not producing the fruit of the Spirit. You cannot pick and choose what you do and what you don't do. 
as a whole, these are the things that we are to produce. And the reason why we're taking so much on this series, and I know it's not necessarily the most engaged series that we could prob probably be doing right now, but it's a series that will pull the foundation of what your Christian life should look like. If believers, think about this, if all Christians, all people that will say, I believe and follow Jesus, I believe that he sent his son to die on the cross for me, and that three days later rose from the dead, if we were all committed to produce the fruit of the Spirit, imagine what this world would be like. Sadly, that is not the case. Sadly, not everyone in this, in this room is pursuing that. And so that is why we're taking this time to address this big idea of pr producing the fruit of the Spirit. Because it is key for us as followers of Jesus to, be dual, to let the Holy Spirit direct our step into how we're supposed to live the life in a way that brings honor and glory to God. And we'll end with this question. When looking at the idea of kindness, are you known for your kindness? If I was to interview the people close to you, your parents, your siblings, your friends, maybe co-workers, fellow athletic friends, I don't know how you call them, teammates, they're going teammates. And I asked them, hey, you know, is Luke kind? Is Bibi kind? Is Thomas kind? Is Liam kind? And I went on and asked questions about it. Will they say yes? Or what will they say? And what about... What about those that are not part of your inner circle? That random classmate in your class that last week you were mean to her or to him. That, that friend of yours that, or that stranger in your classroom or at work or at, at, at the church that you were making fun of him or her. What would they say? Are you known for your kindness? All right. Let me pray and then you guys are dismissed. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the fact that you best display kindness in how you sent your son to die on the cross. Father, we desperately need to understand that we did not deserve what you did for us, Lord, and that that, that act of you sending Jesus for us is not only an act of love, but it's also an act of kindness, in that we did not deserve it, and yet you were more than willing to send your son to take our place for our sin. And, Father, that example that you have set for us through your Son is the example that we should reciprocate with others on how to show kindness. And, Father, I pray that we will set aside whatever it is that keeps us from being kind and that we will pursue kindness with others, that we will love others, that we will be gentle, that we will be good, Lord, and we will do all of these things, Lord, in a way that brings honor and glory to you, Lord. I pray that we will be the kind of followers that when people ask about us, is, are we kind, the answer will be yes. Recognizing that the only possible way that we can be kind is if we allow the Holy Spirit to direct our step. And Father, I pray for the students that they will be kind to one another, whether it's in school, whether it's with their families, whether it's here in the church. Lord, I pray that we will be known as a group of students and a group of, stu uh, a group of, uh, of church, of believers that are kind to one another. And I pray this in your name, Lord. Amen. Good morning in the city.